welcome there welcome back everybody to another episode of the sports forum the podcast that brings you all the latest news headlines and analysis from around the world of sports today is october 28th 2020 and we're back for i think it's episode number 25 so call that our first little milestone uh, i'm here with my good friend and co-host mr ethan looper and before we get into tonight's events uh, you, I'm sure everybody saw the video that I posted on tw- on our Twitter. Uh, just to reiterate um, said announcement, um, the newest Sports Forum podcast, so like a subset of the Sports Forums, Home Field Advantage, going to be all MLB, uh, will be out, episode one will be out this week. Um, obviously the World Series ended last night. Um, we're going to talk all about that because there's a lot of storylines that came out of that, especially last night's game, but we're going to talk all about that later this week in that first episode. So be on the lookout for that. It will of course be posted on Twitter, um, hosted by myself. So anyway, Ethan, let's get into it. Uh, got a lot of NFL to get into. There were some very, very interesting games that took place this week. Um, but first some Minor NBA news. Uh, actually, I mean, I, I mean, I really shouldn't say minor. Uh, it, it, it was pretty significant. Um, the Sixers announced today that Daryl Morey, uh, former uh, president of basketball ops with the Rockets, the guy that put together, you know, the team they have now, is now the uh, president of basketball ops in Philly, which is a pretty substantial move. Um, so, E, welcome aboard. Another episode. What do we got on Daryl Morey? I think it's a really, really interesting signing for Philly to bring in Daryl Morey because right now Philly's, you know, young nucleus is comprised of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Those are those are the two guys right now. And as we know from Maury's time with the Rockets, he really likes the small ball, you know, build a team that can shoot a ton of threes, maybe defend on the on the perimeter, but but not as much inside as we've seen the Sixers put emphasis on. So it's going to be super interesting, I think, to see how Maury's philosophy or the philosophy he's employed so far will translate to a different franchise and one that's built so differently than Houston is, or if he'll stay with that type of plan uh, altogether. You know, I could easily see him ditching it, trying to build off the strengths of Embiid and Simmons. Um, I think either way, they're definitely they're going to bring in shooters just because that's just a weakness of theirs as a team. But I, I, I'm interested to see how far they'll go with it. And um, what, what more he's going to do with the franchise. Um, I, you know, I, I know it's not a lot of, uh, I'm not making a lot of um, definitive statements here. Just because it's such a, a strange situation, um, I guess is a, is a way of putting it. It's, it's something new. Um, just that we've seen, you know, a, a, a person in, in Daryl Morey who's done things a very specific way so far and a franchise like Philly that he's now coming into that situation and basically has the exact opposite of that. So, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing um, how he's going to manage that roster going forward. Yeah, you know, it's 
I think I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a good move for Philly because they were a team that has obviously like, you know like we said a lot of talent and a really you know as good of a core to build around uh, as any team in the league. I mean when 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 you have Simmons and Embiid fully healthy playing at their full potential, they're a dangerous combo. Um, but it they were a team that you know despite that really didn't seem like they had a direction. They just kind of seemed like they were sailing towards nothing. You know, they tried with Jimmy Butler, that didn't work, and they tried to bring in guys like Tobias Harris, and, you know, had some success, but, um, you know, not the success, obviously, that they wanted. And, you know, when you look at an NBA team, you know, they have three things. They have their payroll, they have their, they have their roster spots, and they have draft picks. And, you know, I'm... I'm stating the obvious here, but, you know, the way you find the most success is you find the perfect blend of all those three things. And no one understands that better than a guy like Daryl Morey. I mean, he's a guy that's put together some really talented rosters in Houston. Hasn't won a title, yes, but you look at the last five years, the Rockets have had, I think, 53-plus wins in four of them. Um, And they've played really good basketball, and he's been behind all that, obviously, with the Russell Westbrook trade and... You know, all the other moves, obviously, this year going to really adopting that small ball mentality in the lineup. So, you, you make a great point. You know, obviously, now he has Joel Embiid, um, who essentially can kind of do what James Harden does, but in the front court. You know, he's a big man, but then he still has the ability to shoot well from the outside. And then you have a guy like Ben Simmons, who is... Very comparable, in my opinion, to Russell Westbrook. Obviously not as good of a shooter, but has that same sort of mentality. Rim first, attack the basket. Um, So, yes, we can't make any assertions. You know, this could go south, this could go north, we don't know. But it is going to be interesting to see. But I think in terms of just going out and getting a guy that's that's going to maximize the opportunities he's given. He obviously doesn't have as much cap room in order to, in terms of going out and getting guys um but he's this is a guy that 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 excuse me this, this is a guy that's going to come in he's going to have his sense of direction he's going to have a plan for this organization and he's going to put it into motion and that's exactly what the Sixers need because like I said before this they were a team that obviously has pieces but it just didn't you know it it, it it just looked like they were on a road that was just never ending, you know, with no final destination. So I like the move. I think it's smart, and like I said, I think I think Daryl Morey has a plan, and I think he's gonna, you know, pull out all the stops to execute it and find success. So that's the Morey hire. Um, in more minor news, the Rockets, of course, got rid of Mike D'Antoni uh, after the season. Their new head coach is Steve Silas, who's a former assistant coach with the Mavericks. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know much about him or his background or his style, so I really can't comment on that. But I will, of course, inform everybody, if anybody didn't know that. He is the new Rockets head coach. That's all we'll say about that. So moving on, there's your little NBA move, or NBA news, I should say. Let's get into the NFL. This was a wild week seven, and... It started on Thursday night, and I want to apologize to Thursday Night Football, because if you listen to last week's podcast, I kind of bashed Thursday Night Football, and I said, how come Thursday night always ends up being, you know, two shit teams that have, like, horrible records, and, and you know, is 
is just a game that when you see it on paper, you kind of just kind of go, okay, I really have no interest in watching this. I want to apologize because even though we sort of had that in Eagles Giants, like that's a game that doesn't jump off the page to you. That was one that you you know say I like I have to watch this game. It was a very entertaining football game, and the Eagles were sloppy, but Carson Wentz came through at the end and 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 they got the win. So Ethan, obviously a, a another tough loss for the Giants. Um, but wins and losses aren't really the most important thing to you guys right now. Um, so anyway, take it away. Yeah, uh, I think I think this this game is it was kind of indicative of the fact that while the Giants are starting, I think to show improvement over where they've been in the past few years. You know, they've got their franchise quarterback set. Um, they've got. Their, their defense is playing pretty well, actually, for the first time in a, in a long time. And I think that the last few things the Giants need are just help along the offensive line that got absolutely shredded on Thursday. Um, the Eagles tore them up. They were Their success running the ball was far and few uh, between. They could not protect Daniel Jones. It it was just a poor effort from that unit, and, and we're used to seeing that at this point. Um, what's discouraging is that Andrew Thomas has not been good. He's been he's been one of the worst tackles in all of all of the, the NFL, and it's just it's just frustrating. I, I don't know what needs to happen for this team to hit on on a tackle in the first round. Um, you know, they, they took Eric Flowers, they did that whole experiment, refused to move him to guard, kept trying to play him at tackle, he was awful at tackle, let him walk, and now he's, you know, a starting caliber guard elsewhere. And I just don't want the same thing to happen to Andrew Thomas. Um, I think the Giants need to, if he continues to struggle, I understand that he's young, but if he continues to struggle on the edge, you've got to move him to guard sooner rather than later. Because we don't want another situation here where we spend a high pick on a young offensive lineman. He's got the physical tools, maybe a little raw in terms of uh, really polish coming into the league. But we don't want to waste those physical tools again. You know, we the, the Giants are a team that it just feels like they're pulling the plug on some of these guys way, way too early. Um, you look at um, Flowers, as I just mentioned, but then you can look at guys like Devon Kennard, who was okay with the Giants. They let him walk, has a lot of success with the Lions, and now I believe the Cardinals. Um, then you've got guys like Linval Joseph, who was a Giant, and then they let him walk. And you watch him dominate on the Vikings for the past however many seasons, and it, it's it's just becoming a headache. Um, the the team needs to know how to manage its personnel better. Um, also, I just want to take a couple minutes to shit on Evan Ingram because he <laughs> Evan Ingram had. Please do because I consistently take him in yearly uh, fantasy drafts, and he never, just never lives up to the hype so feel free let loose 
it's you have the floor it's, the, the evan ingram thing has been a question mark since to me the day they drafted him um the giants at the time they drafted him you have to think they were yes they were thin at tight end but you're Tight end is not a spot on the field that franchises are generally, you know, make, made or broken. Tight end's a spot that you have the core together and you're set to win and you need an extra piece so you get a tight end who then can contribute on the offense and really be that extra guy that pushes you over the top. The Giants had issues on their offensive line. They, which they've had over almost the past decade since the last time they've won the Super Bowl. And they had, at the time, an aging Eli Manning, who we were looking for an answer at the quarterback position over, over the long term. And they took Evan Ingram when, when Ryan Ramchick was still on the board. And now, it's not only... Well, we missed on Ingram. He was a first, we took him in the first round, and he hasn't really panned up to it. It's now you've got Ryan Ramchek, who's been in New Orleans the past four years, and he's an all-pro, right? So you've got a, a player who was there of value at the board at the time, at a position you need, and you go with Evan Ingram, and that's the type of move that if it works out, that's great. That's that's a that's a great look for you. You look so smart, and I believe I, I think that was Jerry Reese's last draft with, with the Giants, and he got fired obviously after that for good reason, and they brought in Gettleman. But it, the Evan Ingram move, just bottom line, it never really made sense. You know, the Giants had playmakers on the offensive end. Um, Odell was there. Sterling Shepard was already there. Um, it, it didn't make sense at the time. It continues not to make sense. And these are the type of moves that keep the Giants as a bottom-feeding franchise. It was the same thing when they took Eli Apple, who also is no longer on the team, and Laramie Tunsil was on the board, and you passed on him for a player you're not rostering anymore. And then, again, you have a tackle who's now the highest-paid tackle in the league for, for some of the right reasons. He had a lot of leverage on the Texans when they gave up two firsts for him. But he's a guy that is good enough to get that type of money. And you just look at all these misses and all these problems that have persisted for the Giants for so long. And it's the same mistakes. It's the same positions we're getting caught up on that stay weaknesses with the team. And it isn't changing. Now, again... The defense is looking better. That has been a huge relief. The D-line has looked great. Leonard Williams, B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence. They've they've been able to create a great rotation up front. The secondary is playing pretty well. Um, You know, no complaints about Jabril Peppers. Um, Bradbury has been playing like one of the best corners in the league all year. Um, great signing there by Gettleman, who usually has struggles in free agency. Um, his strength is really the draft, but the signings have been lackluster from him. It's good to see him hitting on Bradbury. Um, but that 
unit, I think, still needs a playmaker at the linebacker position. And now from a 3-4 front, I don't care if that's an edge, you know, a Von Miller type, or if you're getting more of a middle linebacker type, you know, a, a Devin White. But you need a playmaker um, fr- from your linebacking core. And Blake Martinez has been okay. Um, they've, you know, they've, they've, they've built a, a competent group. But again, it's just the Giants can't seem to build any of their units to, to dominate a game and really be the thing that, that propels the team forward. It's, again, it's just been, it feels like the same mistakes over and over and over again, and I'm sick of it. Yeah, and, you know, you make some, some good points and some points I just want to touch on. Um, the first one, obviously, with um, with Engram. You know, I, I always say this, and, you know, you know Evan Engram, obviously, he was a first-round pick. If you're going to take a tight end in the first round, you, A, he better be damn well worth it. And he better be a significant part of your offensive system going forward like like he better play a key role and i and uh, you know i said it when um when detroit took tj hawkinson you know you're not going to take a tight end that early you're not going to take a tight end in the first round if you don't plan on him being a major part of your system going forward and evan hangram has had his weeks you know he, he's definitely had his games but you know the health things one is one you can't obviously prepare for that but still you know that is, you know, like you said, that is a that, that overall that is a draft mistake, especially when you look at um, who you mentioned went after him, um, and then going back to uh, to Eli Apple, I'm pretty sure Eli Apple just got cut by another team he was on. I feel last I, last I saw he was on Carolina. I'm pretty but... sure Carolina cut him very yeah. recently. Not not surprised. He's awful. <laughs> um, he's terrible. Yeah, you know, I I can remember I, I remember when they took him, and I remember texting, talking with some of my other giant friends, uh, or giant fan friends, I should say, and um, they all hated it too. Um, but then, I, if I recall correctly, the Laramie Tunsil thing wasn't he the guy that got? Wasn't there a video of him or something yeah, with like a with the gas mask? Was he the gas mask guy? Yeah, he was the gas mask. Yes, okay. So, all right, so my memory serves well there. I mean, Laramie Tunsil, yeah, some background here in case people don't remember him. Um, I think the Giants were picking at, like, I want to say, like, 11th or something. Yeah. And Laramie Tunsil was, like, consensus, like, top three, top five at worst, like, just clean, super talented offensive tackle prospect out of Old Miss. And minutes, literally minutes before the draft started, yep. the video I'm sure many people are familiar with of him smoking weed out of a gas mask emerged, and it it didn't look like that draft the Giants were going to be able to address their their offensive line and get a marquee player at that position in the first round. And then that video comes out, and Laramie Tunsil just starts sliding. And I remember just sitting there, fingers crossed that he'd just slip down to the Giants and they'd be able to jump on him. And just, you know, 
I'll never forget my disappointment when they passed on him for Eli Apple. And then guess what? We're, you know, four or five years down the line. And one guy just got cut by, I think, his third team. And one guy's the highest paid player at his position and playing at a high level. Um, so, you know, just, just figure out everything you need to from, from that right there. They haven't been they haven't been effective in building their franchise, retaining their talent. Even when the Giants have solid drafts, they're acquiring guys like Odell Beckham, Landon Collins, and and those are guys that again aren't aren't on the roster anymore. So you're looking to build a team for the future, and then not a lot of those pieces that you're bringing in are are yeah. having an effect. Yeah, because they don't make it to the future. They don't make it to the future. Or they cut them loose before the future, right. before they get good, and then they go and are good somewhere else. And it, it's it's been too long. I'm repeating myself, but the Giants have a lot of issues. Um, I, I don't think they're as far away um, from addressing those as I think a lot of people believe. Um got to remember next year we're getting Nate Solder back um, at, at one of our tackle positions. Matt Pert looks great. Will Hernandez is definitely going to be a starter going forward. Maybe Andrew Thomas will be able to slot over to a guard spot. And then, and assuming all those things kind of pan out, that only leaves center for, for a solid offensive line that the Giants haven't had in a long time. And center specifically has been a hole they've had for a few years now since Western Richburg walked. Um, I, they let him go to, I, I think the, either the 49ers, or the, I, I think the, I, yeah, I think the 49ers, maybe the Cardinals, either way. Um, center's been a, a hole there for a long time and they've, they've got to address it. I think it would patch up a lot of the problems up front just because the center, um, you know he's he's that he is that pivot man, uh, responsible for a lot of the communications, setting a lot of the protections, and really making sure everyone's on the same page. Um, so you see a lot of the best centers in the league, like you know Jason Kelsey, Rodney Hudson, uh, you know Travis Frederick before he um, retired. These are guys that are not only dominating their individual matchups, but they're getting everyone else together on the same page like any great quarterback any great middle linebacker that's the role the center has on the offensive line so the fact that the giants have they have been trying to build talent up front but i think they really need a solid player at the center position to really tie it all together and i think that's what they're missing right now desperately um they're also really in need of of a great playmaker I think they need a receiver. Um, you know, Barkley coming back next year is going to help the issue, but I think Slayton is best served as a number two wide receiver, and I think they need a legit weapon, uh, you know, to be across from him and take some of that pressure off of him. I think that would be the absolute best you can get from Darius Slayton. And then going forward, the Giants are going to have Golden Tate. They're going to have Sterling Shepard to man the slot. Don't know what's going to happen with Evan Ingram. So, you know, 
it's a work in progress. I think that this roster doesn't need to get blown up. I think that there are additions that need to get made, but I think that's the very least we can say. I think we have our coach of the future. I think we've got our quarterback of the future. And I think that this is a, a team that more needs to be supplemented rather than completely blown up, rearranged, and, you know, full rebuild. So, I mean, that is the silver lining for the Giants right now. Um, right right now, I think what I'm going to do, if I'm the Giants, I'm about halfway through the season. I'm sitting at 1-6 one, one now, and I'm going to be trying to sell. I'm going to be trying to offload my, my veterans, my expiring contracts, and trying to get compensation. I mean, it, especially Evan Ingram. Um, I'm going to be looking very carefully at how they handle his situation because this is, this is another situation where we could see Evan Ingram, A, walk and become very good somewhere else, and that's, that's going to be frustrating if that were to happen. We could see Evan Ingram re-sign with the Giants for way too much money. Or we could see him see them do, in my opinion, the right thing, which is to try to trade him and get whatever compensation you can. And mm-hmm. hopefully someone else thinks he's worth trading for and will want to re-sign him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's the answer. I don't like seeing him in a Giants uniform. Um, you know, some, some people are saying, you know, Evan Ingram's, you know, drop off is because of Jason Garrett. He doesn't use him right. He should be stretching the seams. Listen, we saw Evan Ingram with a perfect opportunity to stretch the seam and win the game. He had a touchdown and it it was off his hands. So, you know, it's getting, it's getting to the point where. I'm, I'm less and less willing to give Evan Ingram a pass because he's young or, you know, he'll, he'll get it together. He'll figure it out. It's, we're getting to the time where the Giants have to make a decision whether they want to exercise the fifth-year option on this rookie contract. Now, so that's a decision they can't take lightly considering the, the way they've mishandled a lot of their talent that they've been looking to to either re-sign or at least trade him and get some compensation so that is a situation i think that how they handle it is going to be very very telling of where this franchise is headed in the near future yeah um it definitely is going to be interesting to see what happens with angram i agree with you um I, I, I mean, and and this is speaking obviously from, from an outsider's perspective, but you know I haven't seen anything from Engram that would justify picking up that option, um, and I can also say that as a fantasy owner because as I said I've I, I I don't know why but I always end up taking him in at least one of my leagues and I don't know why I do it, um, so from that perspective also I haven't seen anything because uh, he really he, you know he he's never a wow factor. Um, and he hasn't been one in that offense. But the last thing I'll touch on with the Giants is, you know, when you look at that offensive line, and you're exactly right, um, you know, as good as, you know, if, if you go back a couple of years to the to those Cowboys teams that had the, you know, 
the offensive line with Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, even uh, like Doug Free, Lyle Collins. That unit doesn't operate with so much success without a guy like Travis Frederick. So, you know, getting a center um, is a huge, a huge piece. I would recommend a center from Wisconsin because uh, that's where Frederick came from, and that's where the Cowboys' current center, uh, Tyler, I still can't say his last name, Biotish, um, yeah. came from, and he's... And he's played, you know, he's been one of the few bright spots, but we're not going to talk about them tonight. Um, so, anyway, yes on the center. And then just the last thing, you know, just, you know, A, obviously having the offensive line is a necessity because you have a situation where you have a young quarterback that has a lot of potential and is starting to really develop at a faster pace. And obviously, when healthy, you have easily one of the best weapons in the NFL running the ball. And, you know, going back to a few years to the Cowboys, you look at you look at the success they had with, with, with a young quarterback in Dak and Ezekiel Elliott behind that strong offensive line. There's no reason why the Giants can't have the same success if they build that unit. And what's frustrating is when you when you know when you keep having this repairing issue in the offensive line, you draft a guy, he doesn't work out, you have to go back to square one it prevents you from being able to upgrade other positions of need that might pop up during the draft. So that's the other thing that has come, you know, that, that I think the Giants have run into as well. Um, but moral of the story, I, I agree with you. You know, this this isn't a team that's completely fucked by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they just, A, A, they need to stay healthy, and they just need to finally hit up, hit, yeah, I, I don't even want to say hit a home run in the draft. They just need to at least drive. They just need to at least drive a gap and hit a double in the draft, and 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 hit on some of some of their picks. And I think if they do that, they're going to be just fine. All right, moving on. We just went on a very long Giants tangent, but that's okay because we love talking about football. And I would rather talk about the Giants than the shit show that's going on in Texas with the team that will remain unnamed. We're not going to discuss them. We're just going to pretend this didn't happen. Um, we're just going to pretend we didn't make Kyle Allen look like Joe Montana in his prime on Sunday. And yeah, um, You also can't ever pick the Cowboys again, ever. I can't, and I won't. I won't. I am not taking them this week. I'm probably not going to take them the week after. I don't even know where they play the week the week after this. I'm not taking them. So, yeah, easily. All right, one more game I want to get to um, before we get into our picks was the Monday night game. Uh, Bears-Rams. In L.A., the Rams made a statement, if you ask me. 24-10. Uh, uh, Foles had three picks. Uh, just a, really, a, just one of those nights that was all LA, and I've I've been I've I've been mulling this over since you know since since Monday. Is this a case of the Rams really being for real, or are the Bears maybe, or, or I should say, were the Bears maybe a little bit overhyped, and are not necessarily as much of a powerhouse as some people were uh, presenting them? Because I'm gonna. So before, before you go, I am going to go with the former. I think the Rams are for real. Um, the Bears are good, but I, I, but I, 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 in my opinion, this was more of the Rams showing out 
and telling the rest of the world that, hey, you know, we can play. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the Rams were playing some, some pretty unbeatable football on Monday night. Um, absolute statement game. You're absolutely right. Very good Bears defense that they made look like Swiss cheese. And there were a couple of times, I think, in that game that they got pretty close to scoring and had to settle for a field goal or, um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I, I think the other part of your, your statement is, is also partly true. The Bears kind of, kind of are overrated. Um, I think on offense, there's a, a lot to be desired from them. Um, you know, outside of Allen Robinson – and at times, David Montgomery, who looks pretty slow right now, um, you know, there, there's not a lot of, of people making plays and, and really contributing. Nick Foles did not elevate that team on Monday night. Um, you know, it, it, at times, it looked like, you know, Jimmy Graham's been playing reasonably well, but it, that's a super inconsistent team right now. And I understand they had the Tariq Cullen injury. He's a big part of their offense. Um, but they have to find more ways to get Allen Robinson involved. I don't even know what they got to do. Cole Komet's looked pretty good the past few weeks when they throw it to him. Maybe get him more involved. Um, but it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a head scratcher because they haven't been able to figure out their quarterback position. They're, they're struggling to score points, obviously. And, you know, 10 points against the Rams with, you know, three interceptions, uh, you know, from the offense, that's not going to get it done, especially when you're in a very tough division in the NFC North. You've got the Packers. You've got to play uh, the Lions, who are not an easy out, and then even the Vikings, who who took the Seahawks down to the wire, as we know, they're Super Bowl contenders just a few weeks ago. You know, any of these teams can really play with anyone. Um, so the Bears have no easy road to the playoffs, and once they get there, it's only going to get more difficult. They've got to figure out how to score points. We already know that this is a playoff-caliber defense, but I think the offense is leaving a lot to be desired. And I think if they find a guy they can go to in those key situations besides Allen Robinson and consistently get output, I think that's going to be a big step for them. And I, I don't know, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, I don't care. They've got to figure out who they want to start. I might go with Trubisky if I were them just because we haven't seen – a huge uptick through the air with Foles, but Trubisky is so much more dangerous and dynamic as a runner than Foles is. It adds a new dynamic to the offense. And they need that right now. They're not, you know, beating teams offensively with their current setup. It's just time for a, ch you know, they've got to change something around in Chicago. I don't know 
necessarily what it is. I would start with putting Mitch Trubisky back, as weird as that sounds to say. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got to make a move. It, I know they sit at 5-3, and three, and I know they've had some good wins this year, but I mean, even their big win against Tampa Bay, they scored 20 points. It wasn't, you know, a, a big offensive, you know, you know explosion. Uh, and, and again, we just got to see more out of this offense going forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and watching watching the game Monday, um, you know, what Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, I really don't care, like you said. Um, I do agree that, that Trubisky adds more of a running presence. Um, the Bears need to run the ball more. I, you know, Monday they were slinging it around the yard and, 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 and trying to be, you know, an air it out offense. And that's not them. You know, this is a team that's going to be successful winning those games where maybe they only score 21 or 24. Because their defense is talented and their defense can hold teams. You know, they, I mean, for what it's worth, they held the Rams to, to 24 points. And that's a pretty potent offense. It just looks really bad because they only scored 10. But, you know, the Rams only scoring 24, you could do a lot worse. And, and that was, again, a night where the offense turned the ball over a lot. Right. Field position was not in the Bears' favor in general in that game. I thought, yes, holding the Rams to 24 was super impressive given the circumstances. Um, I have no misgivings about that defense. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, anchored, of course, by Khalil Mack. Um Anyway, yeah, so, you know, this is a team that's M.O., you know, has to be what the M.O. was back back in the day, you know, when when they were so talented. You know, low-scoring games, anchored by the defense, run the football. And David Montgomery isn't necessarily, you know, a Saquon Barkley or a Dalvin Cook or a Zeke or a guy that you, that you can necessarily trust to give the ball to 25 times a game on the ground. But, A, they need to use him more because... Matt Nagy loves to run with Cordero Patterson a lot. And I speak for Bears fans on Twitter when I say this, too. They don't like that very much. And I don't like it either. Um, you know, because, you know, like I said, Montgomery isn't necessarily the, an elite back, but he's a talented player. And I don't think they give him the ball enough. So this Bears team, you know, the pieces are there. They just don't know their own identity right now. Um, and I think they just, you know, they need to take a step back. I, you know, as much as I agree with you about potentially putting Trubisky back in a quarterback, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but th- this is a team that just needs to kind of take a step back and kind of figure out who they really are. And I think when they do that, there's a potential to be there, you know, t- to be to be around. Because when you look at that division, you know, everybody everybody's a tough play. The Vikings are still a tough play, but they're beatable, and they've shown that. The Lions are a very tough play, but they're beatable as well. And the Packers, very talented, um, but at the same time, you know, we saw them get waxed by Tampa last week or two weeks ago. Um, so they're all, you know, everyone in that in, in that North Division is tough, but they're beatable. They're winnable football games. So, like I said, if 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 they're able to to to, to really find their true identity. I think they can be successful. And then the one thing I just want to say about the Rams, um, 
McVay's back. Uh, the, the, you know, they look really solid offensively. Um, everyone's getting involved. You know, they seem to have, you know, the big question was obviously the backfield. Um, they seem to have, you know, that committee down with Daryl Henderson really kind of taking over the, the, the one spot. But Malcolm Brown, he scored a touchdown Monday. So the offense is clicking. And then defensively, you know, incredibly solid. Um, I loved what they were doing up front. You know, they're using a lot of stunts, um, a lot of different things to get Aaron Donald in mismatches, get him away from double teams. Not that he can't get through double teams, but, you know, getting getting him in one-on-one situations that he can win. Um, so I, I love where the Rams are at and what I'm, I, I and I want to issue a personal apology to the NFC West because the NFC West features the Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams. And you got to figure one of the wild card teams is going to make it from that, that division. But there is going to be an NFC West team that is well-deserved well-deserving of the playoffs that isn't going to make the playoffs because the NFC East exists. And I want to apologize on behalf of the NFC West for that because that sucks. But that's just how it is. If you're, if you're, you know, it's either going to be one of those NFC West teams look, you know, on the outside looking in, or it's going to be another team that really deserves to make it like, you know, one of those, one of those NFC uh, South teams. Either way, someone's getting screwed. Yeah, someone. A team is going to get screwed. Um, and what makes it even worse is that the NFC East team is going to host the playoff game. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna have a home playoff game against a wild card team who was significantly better all season. Definitely going to have a much better record. And they're probably going to get waxed. And they're, I would say that's fair. Yeah. So, you know, apologies to the rest of the NFC. Um, so that was the other game that we wanted to get into um, other news and notes obviously the Falcons just continue to find ways to lose football games actually that's the other thing I want to touch on they just they, they invent them they have a they whole, figure I, out I mean, ways they have like an R&D lab what yes they could possibly do it like they crazy. lose games because they score touchdowns now that that that's how this week worked they scored a touchdown and because they scored said touchdown they lost yep. that doesn't happen very often not very often not very often does a team get pissed and then lose when you score touchdowns. That's really the name of the game. The, so, the only thing I've ever seen any you know anything like it was the had to have been the Super Bowl when Ahmad Bradshaw Bradshaw sat down at the goal line. Yeah, it was just, it was the same thing. Um, and, you know, it didn't it didn't end up burning the Giants in that Super Bowl, but obviously when it's Atlanta, it's a little bit of a different story because they're going to find a way to choke. They will find a way to lose a football game. And the other thing I want to say about that game is, you know, I always, you always see these posts that are like, you know, one minute to go, ball on whatever yard line, which quarterback are you taking? Matt Stafford is never on those lists, and he really should be. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been beating the drum for Matt Stafford for a long time. That man is one of the most one of the most dangerous late game quarterback. You give him the football with a minute left and no timeouts, you're gonna lose. I can remember, God, it had, it had to be four or five years ago. It was a Lions Cowboys game, same thing, but it was back when uh, it was still in the um, in the Calvin Johnson era. Cowboys, I I think they kicked a field goal late, and. Stafford took a, it was, it was, it was, I want to say it was like 56 seconds, no timeouts, 
completion, 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 field goal, game over. He is, and I looked it up. He, of amongst current uh, quarterbacks, he is. I think he's tied for fourth with um, in game winning or come from behind wins, game winning yeah. drives and come from behind wins with like Matt Ryan, um, Aaron Rodgers, and I believe Drew Brees. Probably Brady's in there. I don't know. Yeah, Brady's up there as well. So. Give some love to Matthew Stafford. I mean, he, he's really been in just a, a shitty predicament. You know, the Lions really aren't built right now to win, and they really haven't been, you know, th- th- they're another one of those teams that kind of doesn't really look like they kind of have like a sense of where they're going, really. Um, so he's been kind of screwed over by that, but give the man some respect. He is dangerous late in the game, and he's not a guy I want on, you know, leading. He's not a guy I want leading a game-winning drive against my team. Um, so that was the Falcons game. Uh, I guess the only other, the, the, the bigger game of the week was the Steelers game. Uh, they, 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 they managed to beat the Titans, thanks in part somewhat to Steven Gostowski's right leg. I don't know what happened to that guy. He was used to be literally one of the, literally, was he not regarded as one of the best kickers in the league? Yeah, just, just automatic in New England. Right. Uh, it, so, strange it's like you you see like a a quarterback or or any other position you know change teams and you say maybe it's because of the scheme or the coaching but i mean this is a kicker it's like put your leg on the ball and make it go through the uprights it's you know he can't do that very well it's it's a hard job it's it's a hard job and i'm not taking anything away from that but you see a guy who's just for for decades it feels like it's just been yeah just you know it yeah. Sure, sure thing. And yeah, it was just like um, it, it, it was the same thing, you know, like with uh, with Dan Bailey and the Cowboys. You know, who's their kicker? Oh, it's Dan Bailey. Who's their kicker? Oh, it, it's Steven Gostowski. And now he's by no means automatic. Um, and you know, he, it sucks to see. And you know, obviously, had he made that kick, we go to overtime. Who knows what happens? But this was a game. I don't want to say I, I I called it, but I did say last week that I want to see a team make Ryan Tannehill beat them with his arm and you know holding holding Derrick Henry to 75 rushing yards and one touchdown is easily a success and I said and yeah and the one touchdown came on they they had, they had originally stopped him and then they had a penalty and that gave them a first and uh first mm-hmm. down on the one so you know they they did a great job containing Derrick Henry um, Ryan Tannehill did have, I, I thought, a, a pretty good outing. Um, all things considered, he, uh, they, the, the, the Tech or Texans, excuse me, the Titans were down um, by a considerable margin early in the game, and they, they came storming back. I, I thought it was a, a gutsy performance from the Titans, and I know I picked the Steelers to win that game, but um, I, th- I think. Um, when we were talking about it, the general consensus that it, it was probably going to be a pretty close game. Yeah. Did, yep, we both to, said that. To the last second field goal. Um, but, yeah, he, the thing about Gus Scout, he hasn't been able to kick at all this year. He almost cost them the, tit- the Titans. He almost cost them their game week one. Um, yeah, he... Um, what, field goals before he hit the game. Right. Winner, I think. Yes, I remember that now. Um yeah, but I mean, obviously going back uh, to what you were just saying, 
it was a great game, and the, and the, you know it, it was a gutsy performance, and I feel like with the Titans and especially with a guy like Mike Vrabel at the helm, you know they're they're always going to be gutsy performances. Um, oh, yeah, and, that's yeah, definitely yeah, their I'm, mo. Yeah, a close loss to to the Pittsburgh Steelers is not at home in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, right? Is it, it's not the type of thing where we're writing the Titans off. Um, no. What was impressive to me is that the Taylor Lewan injury that we were reviewing a lot last week, um, it, it didn't seem to hamper the Titans a lot. Um, the pressure, it, it, it seemed like a lot was coming off the, the right side of that line with TJ Watt. But, um, you know, the, the host of, of guys the Steelers were, were throwing at uh, uh, at Tennessee from the other side, uh, Bud Dupree, you know, and all the guys they have there rushing the passer, they they didn't make um, too much of an impact on the game. Um, so that was an encouraging sign, especially going forward for the Titans, that it just didn't appear that the Taylor Lewan injury um, was a big setback for that. Well, of course it was a big setback, but they didn't seem that affected by it. They still right. played well. You're exactly right. Steelers game, um, you, you know, managed managed to to rush the ball with some with relative effectiveness. You're never going to uh, scoff at a 75 yard day from your lead back. And Tannehill threw it really well. AJ Brown had an awesome day. Uh, you know, it, it was it was encouraging from the Titans. Corey Davis um, continues to quietly have a nice season. He had another touchdown. Um, so. So watch out for these Titans. I know they've they've lost a few games in recent weeks, but um, yeah, no, this this is or just the one, excuse me. Um, but this is not a team that because of that loss we can sleep on or or say they're not legit. This this is a very good football team. Don't get it. Yeah, you you're exactly right. Um, and obviously, I, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to write them off, and you shouldn't. Um, because obviously, as we've said, they're incredibly talented, um, and you know when you look at the division they play in, you know there's really not going to be a lot to worry about there. Yeah, it's going to be probably them and, and maybe the Colts. Right. Um, they sure look like the front runners, um, and and we know they've they had playoff success, especially last year, knocking off the Patriots, knocking off the Ravens. So we know it's a dangerous team. We know that especially when it gets cold late in the season, that's when you really want to um, anchor down on defense and run the football. Um, and the, the Titans are just built for it. So I'm excited to see them come playoff time. I have no doubt. I think I very strongly think that they're going to be a playoff team. They're probably going to win that division. So, you know, just, just keep an eye out for them moving forward. The Titans are always an easy franchise to just completely forget about. They've been irrelevant for a long time, it feels like. Um, but but they're a serious contender. Um, I, I don't want anyone to get mixed up about that. Yeah, I 100% agree. All right, let's make picks. Let's make some Week 8 picks, why don't we? So let's... let's we're not wasting any time. Let's get right into it. Tomorrow night... Another Thursday night matchup. This is not as bad of a Thursday night matchup on paper um, as some of the other ones. So we got the Falcons, the 
the love, uh, lovable losers. I, I don't know. Uh, the, the Falcons are going to Carolina to play Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. Um, Panthers are laying two and a half. I'll start here. Um, as talented as the Falcons are, we've said it a bunch, and I'll say it again, they find ways to lose football games. And they find painful ways to lose football games. And I'm not saying they're going to do that necessarily, but the Panthers are coming off a, a game in which they didn't win, but they played the Saints really tough at home, um, had, you know, ha- had a chance to win that game, came up short. Um, Bridgewater's playing well, and... Is McCaffrey coming back? Uh, I, th- I believe he's still up in the air. Um, he is. He's practicing, and he doesn't have an injury designation. But because this is a Thursday night game, right. they might play it safe with him. Um, he might be. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was even active for the game. And Yeah, I would agree. Stashed him, saved him in case of an emergency. Um, but... I, I think we're going to see one more week of Mike Davis mm-hmm. um, in this game, um, which which hasn't been a bad thing for the Panthers. I mean, obviously all. he's not CMC, but you know he, he has performed admirably um, in that mm-hmm. offense, definitely kept him afloat. Um, if they win this week, they'll be back at 500, which is huge when you're chasing the Saints and you're chasing the Buccaneers and you're scrapping for a playoff spot. You, uh, you really want a win against a team like the Falcons, who have really struggled to put a complete ball game together over the past, you know, five years. I was going to say this. They've year, put together it's really fifty-eight minutes and thirty seconds of a ball game. Good, good football over the past however many years they've been doing it and just managing to continue to choke. Right. We've gone over it, but yeah, I'm going to take the Panthers. They're laying two and a half. I can't believe it's only that. Um, you know, win, you know, win by a last second field goal and a tie. You know, it's tied. You kick a field goal, your bet comes through, and that feels like more than enough space for the for the Panthers. Um, I think that top to bottom, they're a, a, probably a better team than the Falcons, and I definitely see them coming on top, out on top. Yeah, I I totally agree. Give me the Panthers. Give me the two and a half. I mean, I think the only reason that that, that spread would be so low is just because of the divisional aspect. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I definitely think the Panthers take this one by more than a field goal. Um, going on to Sunday now, we have the Indianapolis Colts coming off their bye week, going to Detroit. Detroit, obviously, coming off the, the, the last second win against Atlanta. Uh, this is a... This is an intriguing game. The Colts are road favorites. They're favored by three. Um, I'm going to, you know, real quick, a team coming off a bye against a team that just got a huge momentum-boosting win in the last second at home. I like the Lions outright, so I'll take the plus three, but I think the Lions win this game straight up. That's it's an interesting pick. Um, I, I, you know, I, I am a big supporter of the Lions. I usually pick them. Um, you know, I, I pick them in some tough ones. Almost picked them to beat the Packers the one week. Um, 
But I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take Indy. I think we've seen a big turnaround in the past few weeks from Detroit's defense. And um, they've been able to stop the run recently, which is a huge revelation. They absolutely locked up James Robinson. Um, Last week, you know, Todd Gurley had a so-so game on the ground against them. So, you know, they've been playing pretty well. If there's any team that's going to be able to buck that trend, it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. Um, coming off a of bye week, having two weeks to really examine Detroit. Um, and if anyone's going to you know, bust through a tough front and a, a, a good front seven who's playing the run well, it's going to be that Indianapolis offensive line. Um, so I think we see a close one, but I'm going to say Indianapolis pulls it out. Okay. So we're going head-to-head there. Um, oh, my goodness. So, next up on the list, the Jets are going to Kansas City. Do we need to talk? To play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are giving 19 and a half points. Probably isn't enough. I mean, I'm going to be honest. All right. Here's my take on this. One thing I will say for the Jets is they had a very impressive performance in Buffalo. And going off of that point, here's my take on this game. First of all, if if you're betting it, don't touch it because there's no need to sweat out a 20-point spread with, with the Chiefs and the Jets. Just, you know, forget about it. But I think this is a game that the Chiefs win. Don't get, I'm, I, am, I, I am not delving that deep into hot takes. But this is a game that the Chiefs win, but I think it's going to be... I, I think at half, it's going to be close. It's going to be closer than people thought. And everyone's going to be like, wait a minute. And then the second half is going to be all Chiefs. You know, the Jets had a good performance against Buffalo. I'll give you that. They had four yards of offense in the second half. Yeah, but, the, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying they scored so, the ball or, of course, they didn't. But holding Buffalo without a touchdown for the entire game was pretty no, impressive. Yes, I totally agree. Sacks really got after it. Um, just something that. Um, you know, you'd expect this Jets team to look defeated, um, and they're just not showing that. I think it speaks to, um, you know, this, even though it's not a good Jets team, they're definitely gutsy, and it just shows me a lot that against a, a, a legit contender in a division game, um, they really came out and played. You know, the this could easily be the season that the Jets are giving up and going, you know, just playing lackadaisically, you know, tank for Trevor, all that. But, you know, they, they gave a very good football team a very good game when they were huge underdogs on paper. So I just got to shout them out because that might be the most exciting thing we see from the Jets all season. And that that might be it for Jets fans. Um, yeah, they might you're not wrong. You don't know. Um, but but a, a, a competitive performance in Buffalo was, I think, a lot more than um, most people would would feel comfortable asking for from that team. Um, I think they really played well for, for what they have there, especially with Jamison Crowder out injured, some turbulence from releasing Le'Veon Bell so recently. 
Um, so, so that offense, I, I feel, definitely must have been in flux going in. Um, but yeah, they, they at least kept it close. They really jumped out early, but were playing well. Yes, they had four yards of total offense in the second half. Obviously, that's not a good stat, but when you can even play well and put together put together a, a good half of football, and I think they were winning after after the first half. I think it was ten six. Um, mm-hmm. Just just that alone is immaculate. So shout out the Jets. I'm still not picking you against the Chiefs. Of obviously. course not. But 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 good week of football. Yeah, you know. no, you're you're exactly. It it, it it was definitely much better on the Jets' part. And that's why I'm going to say this is a game that's going to be close at half, and then the Chiefs are going to run away with it in the second half. Mark my words. So if you're into taking, like, first-half spreads and you're feeling kind of frisky, maybe take a look at the Jets one. Just saying. There, there's my lukewarm take of the week. All right. Moving on, more AFC East. The Patriots, who got stomped again um, last week, are going to Buffalo to play those Buffalo Bills that, as we just said, did not score a touchdown against the New York Jets. Take it away. Yeah, this is one of the harder ones to pick this week. Um, Josh Allen has always been confused by the Patriots. He has never been able to play well against them. But this is a Patriots team that has put together, probably last week, the worst effort of the Belichick era in in New England. Um, You know, you... They had four picks. Uh, you know, I, I think they they coughed the ball up, fumbling a few more times. Um, it it was just horrible. But that was against uh, you know a 49ers team that's just as legit as the Bills. Well, probably I, I wouldn't call them as good as the Bills, but they have they do have a legit defense. And you know we'll just chalk it up to a bad week. Um, COVID probably threw off Cam's rhythm. He's trying to learn that offense. Um, and now we have Stefan Gilmore trade rumors coming from New England. It just might be getting messy, and that is something that is so strange to think about or to see from New England. Um, I don't think they move Gilmore. I think that they're going to stay the course and get it together. I just don't think that's going to be this week. The Bills are too good and coming off such a disappointing performance against the Jets I think we're going to see them with a little extra motivation this week and put on a good performance finally we see Josh Allen figure out how to score on the Patriots and I think the Bills take this one yeah um, I'm also going to take the Bills um, and you know the the point you made was one was the same one I was gonna make. You know Josh Allen, um, still even this year has shown some signs of still being a young quarterback that you know sometimes makes some some questionable decisions and you know that always that kind of player always worries me going up against the Patriots because you know all right so they've lost two in a row they've had some bad losses that doesn't make. Belichick any less of a great head coach and that doesn't make their schemes any less uh you know less smart than they were before yeah, um, don't, don't get us wrong the Patriots aren't any less dangerous no they were of course not last week, the, week, the week before that this is a team that any given week 
They're human. That, if anything, that's what the last two weeks have right. shown. That they're like, you know, that they are mortal beings. That they can be beat. Right. Um, well, despite the pathetic performance against the 49ers, despite the 2-4 and four record, uh, you know, the Patriots and Cam Newton are a team that can still go out and I think beat anybody on a weekly basis. I totally and, agree. And if this game... If this game was in New England, I'd take the Patriots. But they're in Buffalo. The Bills, as you said, are coming off a game against the Jets that was not their best performance. They're going to be fired up to play the Patriots. Like I said, they're going to be at home. Allen is definitely, you know, going to have that in the back of his head that, you know, he struggled in his career against New England. So he's going to be, you know, I mean, everyone really is... is is, is going to be a little extra motivated, so I'm going to take the Bills as well in this one. Uh, jumping ahead, oh, actually not jumping ahead, just kind of moving down the list here. Um, I want to, let's go to the Titans and the Bengals. Titans are going to Cincy. Um, have you heard the Carlos Dunlap story from this past week? Mr. I, Looper. I saw he got uh, traded to the Seahawks. So, yes, he was... I thought there was some friction there, but I, I, so, I don't... Yes. So, yes. Story time here on the Sports Forum. Um, so, yes, just today he was traded to the Seattle Seahawks. But this past week, um, actually to preface this, going into the season, his role was severely diminished within the Bengals' defense, which is kind of surprising because Carlos Dunlap is a very well-known name. He's a pretty talented... He's one of the best pass rushers over the past... Right. Um, respect, and so. they've just kind of, you know... I, I don't think the word was benched, but just kind of his role has gone down. And he's not been a fan of that, and especially with the Bengals sitting at 1-5-1, and one, doesn't make things any better. So obviously this past week, was uh, it was Bengals-Browns, Baker Mayfield fine through, through the touchdown with 11 seconds left. So at the end of that game, he, Dunlap... Uh, got into like a into an argument with their defensive line coach, had to be separated, the whole thing. But then what's the funny aspect of this is after the game, he goes on Instagram and Twitter and puts his house for sale. He puts his house up for sale in Cincinnati. And then, to put icing on the cake, Joe Mixon, who's Cincinnati's running back, comments, I'll take it. Underneath, Carlos Dunlap trying to sell his house on social media. Now, since then, everything's been deleted. But kind of an interesting twist in in that story. Uh, something I've never seen before. Um, but he wasn't kidding because now he's been traded. He's on Seattle, which is a not a bad pickup for the Seahawks. If we're, if we're... No, I, I thought it was a great, low-risk, extremely right. medium-reward um, Dunlap. Even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, he's incredibly strong at batting balls at the line of scrimmage. He's actually, I, I believe, tied with J.J. Watt for the most batted balls at the line of scrimmage over the past decade. Both of them have over 50, which is super impressive. Um, I, you know, th- this is a Seahawks team that's only managed 10 sacks so far on the year. Two of them were from Jamal Adams, so definitely looking for a boost uh, you know, if you're a contender, you're only giving up. I think they gave up a seventh round pick and a backup linebacker. So, 
great buy low opportunity for the Seahawks. I think it's an awesome fit, great pickup, and I know he's getting a little bit up there in age, but that's what you're looking for when you're a contender and looking to just add that final, you know, one of those final finishing touches on the roster to really go ahead and make a run to the Super Bowl. So I thought it was a great move by the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree. Um it also helps, you know, fill the gap that uh, Jadavian Clowney left on the line and just adds depth to that position, so a good move. And now there's an open house for sale in Cincinnati if anybody wants it. So um, I just thought that was a very, very hilarious story, um, especially the fact that Joe Mixon said he would buy it. Um, well, he did just get a, a big contract. So, so there you go. some money this offseason. And I would imagine Carlos Dunlap, he's played for Cincy a while. He's probably gotten paid a decent amount. He probably lives in a nice house. Uh, yeah, I would assume so. Um, anyway, back to the game. The Titans are going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Um, I'm all over the Titans here. Me too. They're going to they're gonna turn Cincy inside yeah. out. They haven't been able to play defense. And, um, you, you know, you look at Derrick Henry. You know, obviously yeah, I think he runs. I think he there. runs all over him. Yeah, you, you trade you trade Carlos Dunlap. They haven't really been playing Geno Atkins. You know, uh, definitely could see a trade for him coming down the wire. You know, it, it's yeah. It doesn't, all doesn't Titans. Seem all like Titans here for the Bengals chemistry wise. Not a great matchup on paper. Um, yeah, I think the Titans put up big points and win this one. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, staying in the uh, AFC North, uh, the Steelers, the 6-0 Steelers, last undefeated team in the league, uh, going to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson. Another big game for them. Uh, Ravens given three and a half. Um, this is another, obviously another huge game for the Steelers. Um, what do we got? So, I think... I'm going to go against the grain on this one. And the Ravens are coming off the bye. Lamar Jackson has not been all he's cracked up to be this season. Coming off an MVP year. Um, I could absolutely see the Ravens take this one. The Steelers have just been chugging along. They're at 6-0. and You know, very few teams go 16-0. and this is a divisional matchup against a 5-1 and one team. Um, if there was one the Steelers were going to drop, I'd say it would probably be this one. I'm going to take the Ravens against my better judgment just because I have a feeling about this one. Well, I'm going to take the Steelers. Um, as you said, you know, Lamar Jackson has not been Lamar Jackson this year, and trying to get off the schneid against the Steelers' defense is a very tall task. Um, so I'm going to ride the steel curtain here, and I think the Steelers, you know, offensively at the same time, you know, Roethlisberger and Claypool are just continuing to click. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson, um, it, you know, everyone, even guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, that that offense is clicking. James Conner's been a good, a, a, a good, a very solid back. Um, but good too. yes, exactly. And uh, but but it, but what it comes down to is that defense. And um, I think you know obviously, 
you know, with, with Lamar Jackson, you have to deal with, with, with the aspect of, okay, if you get pressure on him, he has the ability to roll out and extend plays and make plays with his legs. But I think the Steelers, you know, and TJ Watt, those guys do, do you know, c- continue to get pressure on him, make him uncomfortable. Um, if there's any team in the league that knows him well enough, it's, or, or excuse me, that, excuse me, that knows Lamar Jackson well enough, it is the Steelers. So I think the Steelers go into this um, into Baltimore and they come out seven and zero. More AFC action: Raiders, Browns in Cleveland. Browns coming off of that game winning uh, game winning touchdown by uh, Donovan Peoples Jones um, with eleven seconds left against Cincy, as I just said earlier. Uh, the Raiders. Coming off a shellacking on behalf of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do we got here? I'm going to take the... This is a tough one. I'm going to take... I'm going to say Cleveland takes this one, and here's why. I think Baker Mayfield looked amazing last week. After Odell Beckham got injured, Baker started 0 of 5 passing. 0 of 5. He finished the game 22 of 23, and his one com- incompletion was a spike. All right? Okay, so he was 22 of 22. He essentially didn't throw an incomplete pass after, like, the first couple series. It was dumb. So what we saw from Baker Mayfield, I think, is you have – Odell Beckham, and there's always pressure to get him the ball. Baker was forcing, even his interception when he started 0-5, he had the pick, he was targeting Beckham down the field, trying to force him the ball. Baker, once Beckham is out of the lineup, he stops pushing the ball. He's taking what's open. You know, he was hitting Hunter Bryant, Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, uh, David Njoku, Cooper was out for the game, but they were also targeting Kareem Hunt plenty. So, you know, you see Baker looking confident, being decisive, spreading the ball, not forcing anything. And this Browns offense looked entirely different. Um, obviously, the the defense has been playing... They've, they've been playing okay. Um, they've let up 30 in back-to-back weeks, but that's against Joe Burrow, who's as hot as anyone in the league last week. Four touchdowns. And then the Steelers, they just got shellacked against a good team. Um, But I think they're going to definitely look to turn it around this week against the Raiders. We're definitely going to be a tough out. Derek Carr has been playing some great football, but they recently haven't been able to get Josh Jacobs going on the ground. And I think, ultimately, if they can't get back into that run game and have a dominant performance. Um, I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. And I think Cleveland's defense rises to the occasion. Um, This is a game that if I was a wagering man like I am, I wouldn't touch. But the one thing, my, my pick is going to be the over. The over is 51 and a half. I think this is a shootout. Um, Raiders are coming off of giving up 45 to the Buccaneers. Bang, or 
Browns give up 34 to Cincinnati. Um, so these are two defenses that have the, you know, that can play at a better level, but I think when matched up against each other are not, you know, are not going to live up to, to their, to their, to their potential as they should. So I think this game has shootout written all over it. I like the Raiders because I know the Cleveland Browns, and I feel like this is a game that they should win, but I know the Browns, and it just, you know, I kind of have just like that gut feeling that this is a game they just won't win. So that's why I want to take the Raiders, but at the same time, you have a Cleveland team with a Baker Mayfield that's as confident as ever, um, slinging the ball around the yard. Um, so, the, you know, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They're coming off a big win. They're playing at home. That's why I want to take them. I can't make a pick, but I am going to take the over because, as I said, this has shootout written all over it. Um, it's 51 and a half. I don't, uh, th- th- I, I can easily see this game being, you know, 35 28, 37 34. Um, maybe even a team gets to 40. Um, but, Chalk this one up as a shootout. I'm going to take the over in Raiders-Browns. All right, two more games here in the early window, in the, in the 1 o'clock window. Uh, the Rams, we talked about earlier, are going to Miami. And the storyline here, obviously, is the debut of Tua. Um, a pretty surprising move on behalf of the Dolphins, if you ask me. I mean, the Dolphins aren't necessarily going to win the Super Bowl, but they're three and three, and they have shown some signs of playing good football. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has done a great job with that offense. So it seems like a really weird time to bring in Tua. Um, I mean, I get it. He's you know he's the guy you drafted. He's the guy that you drafted for the future. Um, it, but it it just seems like an interesting time to bring him in um, at quarterback and. It really sucks that he has to play the Rams first, and the first guy he gets to deal with rushing him for 60 minutes is Aaron Donald. Um, and for that reason alone, I'm taking the Rams, taking the Rams to cover. Uh, it's three and a half. I, I, I think they win this by 10, 15 points. Um, I don't think Tua puts his best foot forward, just just having to deal with that defense. Um, so Rams all day here, and that's that. Yeah, I'll take the Rams, too. Um, I think they're super hot right now. Um, made made the Bears' defense, which is, I would say better than the Dolphins' defense, look kind of childish. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that Rams pick. And I also agree with what you said, that um, it, it was a strange move, I think, by the Dolphins to bench, bench Fitzpatrick. I understand you have the bye week. You want to get to it going after that. But you're sitting at 3-3 three and three right now. Two of your losses have been by one score or less. Um, you know, they lost to the Seahawks. Who, again, legit Super Bowl contender. They lost by eight points. They lost to the Bills by three. And week one, which, you know, uh, you know we're not even really counting that. But they lost by ten points to the Patriots. Cam Newton looked like Derrick Henry in that game and was completely unstoppable um, running the football. Um, I, I I think this is a better team than people think, and I, I don't understand the move to go away from your vet who's been winning you games 
in Fitzpatrick going to Tua. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously, a couple weeks ago when they announced the move, he voiced his displeasure. Um, and and I, would, I would have to agree with him that it, do, it doesn't make a lot of sense. At 3-3, three and three, you should absolutely be looking to make a playoff push, especially in a division that's been faltering. The Jets are obviously awful. The Patriots have looked inconsistent, obviously. And the Bills, you know, they're, they're also markedly inconsistent with their young quarterback. Um, yeah, this just this isn't a time where the Dolphins can afford to take it easy and say, well, he's a rookie. If he messes up, he messes up. You have to win games if you're the Dolphins right now. A playoff push would mean so much for this franchise, getting them going in the right direction. And I see benching Fitzpatrick, who has been playing well, I see benching him as saying, well, that's not important to us right now. And I think that's the wrong message to send to your franchise. Um but I do have a tremendous amount of respect for Brian Flores. I think he's a great coach. So I think whatever call he made and how to handle his locker room ultimately will end up being the right decision. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to see from the outside here, but I'm sure they had the right reasons for that. Yeah, I, you know, you made a good point. You know, it would be one thing if they were 0-6 and had been just getting rolled by 30 points every week. Okay, yes, then what the hell? Let's bring in the rookie, see what he can do. We're 0-6. But they're 3-3 three and three and in, a, in, in an unstable division. Um, so, you know, obviously they're not a lock to make the playoffs, but there's still, there's still a chance. There's enough of a chance there that maybe you don't give up on the quarterback that's gotten you here so far. Um, but... The other point you made right there at the end about Brian Flores is he was a very smart coach, a very talented coach. Um, my only thought is maybe this was like a predetermined thing. Like maybe in the preseason it was discussed that hey, you know, you're going to take us to the bye week and we're going to give Tua eight was it eight seven eight weeks whatever the hell it is to to develop and learn, and then after that, no matter where we are, you know, he's in. You know, yeah, totally understand that. Um, yeah, if that if that was the thought process, I I get it, I really do. Right, um, that would make sense. But it, it, it but if this was more of just a spur of the moment, hey, you know, you know, just hey, all right, we're you know we're going to Tua. I don't get it as much, but as we said, um, you you said you know you said obviously you're a big fan of Brian Flores. I agree with you. I think he's a great coach. He's a smart coach. Um, so I think. Either way, it will find a way to work itself out. Um, and on a personal note, it's good for my dynasty team because he is on my dynasty bench. Um, obviously, it doesn't matter for me right now, but hey, something to look at, something to follow. But regardless, I think the Rams win this game by a lot. Um, last game in the early window, Vikings going to the Packers. Um, the one and five Vikings against the five and one Packers. Um, I can't remember who the Packers played last week. Oh, the te Texans. That's right. Won that game by a decent amount. Uh, the Vikings coming off their bye week. This is a game 
the Packers are giving six and a half. I could see it being close, so I would consider taking the Vikings to cover, but I do think the Packers win this game um, in Lambeau Field. That the offense is playing well. Um, I don't know what's I don't know what the deal is with Dalvin Cook in terms of his health. I know he's still questionable. So I'm gonna take the Packers here, but I think I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say it's a close game. I'm gonna say it, it's a it's a three or four point victory for them. Yeah, I would I would say yeah, Dalvin Dalvin being up in the air really makes this an, an interesting pick because if the Vikings have are gonna have any chance, it's going to be by controlling the clock pounding the ball on the ground and keeping it out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, right? Exactly. That's going to be the best route if you're the Vikings. And having Dalvin Cook in the game as a, as a real playmaker from that backfield is a great start. I have trouble believing that Kirk Cousins is going to tear the Packers up through the air. They have been playing phenomenally Um. Uh, you know, defending the pass. Jair Alexander has been an absolute stud, completely undersung. I think he held Calvin Ridley to a fat goose egg a few weeks ago. Um, just, he's just been playing out of his mind. I'll be interested to see if they want to put him more on Thielen or Justin Jefferson this week. Um, that. I think is is going to be the most interesting thing for me that I'm going to want to observe out of this. Um, but I'm also going to take the Packers. Um, I, I don't think that the Vikings uh, are really going to be able to get in rhythm against this team. Um, I mean, they're playing great football. The the one week they lost that tough one against the Buccaneers where they ran into a stone wall coming you know just 28 points that was embarrassing i think they bounce back you know they already did against the texans vikings a little bit more of a serious matchup but i still think they come out on top um this is this is going to be i think a, a crucial period for this team coming off of that loss that huge loss against the bucks you know, you know, I'm I'm gonna write off the game against the Texans just because they're such a mess right now. But this is their first legitimate matchup where they have a tough game coming off of of that shellacking in Tampa, and I'm I'm really curious to see what we see out of them. Um, I think that they're gonna smack the Vikings, but um, especially with those divisional matchups. They surprise us all the time. So, um, yep, sticking with the Packers, but not surprised, just like you said, if this is a close one or even if the uh, Vikings manage to steal it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and that was the other thing. Uh, the re- my, you know, my rationale behind this being a close game, especially uh, with a spread like 6.5, um, is just the divisional aspect of it. I think that adds another element of just competitiveness and... Just, familiarity. Exa- yes, that was the exact word I was looking for. Um, yes, the the familiarity with your opponent. So that is why, like, like I said, I think the Vikings can cover, but I like the Packers to win. 
All right, we're gonna go rapid fire here. We're gonna go three, four o'clock games. I'll give, I'm gonna give mine. You give yours. Um, so we got Chargers going to Denver, 49ers going to Seattle, and the Saints are going to Soldier Field to play the Bears. I'm going with the Chargers. I'm going with the Seahawks, and I'm going with the Saints. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, getting Justin in. Herbert is a stud. That's yeah, the only other. Stud. I I was. Ready to take you were spot on. Pre-draft, I was mocking him to the Dolphins in front of Tua. Uh, you know, I loved this kid coming out. It was amazing to me to see the kind of hate he had as a prospect uh, coming out of Oregon. How many people didn't want him or were mocking him? You know, out of the top ten, or it was it was ridiculous to see the kind of disrespect this kid was getting. And um, seeing him come into the league and immediately prove everyone wrong, uh, love to see it. Love to see it from him, uh, especially from a guy who's generally uh, quieter. Um, you know, isn't isn't a loud personality, and you know doesn't doesn't have a lot of sound bites out there in the media, or really uh, have have a lot of notoriety as a personality. So after all the hate he got as a prospect and seeing that, him coming out and letting his play do the talking and really shutting everyone out, proving him wrong, has been awesome to see. Yeah, and just the only thing, only other thing I'm, I'll add to that is, you know, is the amount of confidence he's playing with, which is something you don't see all the time, you know, from rookie quarterbacks. Um, so that's been really good to see. Um and yeah, I mean, uh, just to, sorry, just to ahead. build off that. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, just to build off that. Um, I mean, he he a couple weeks ago went absolutely toe to toe with Tom Brady. Um, lost by only a touchdown in that game against an obviously stacked Bucks team. Lost by a field goal to the Saints again. Went toe to toe with Drew Brees, another great at the position. Um, and then beat the Jaguars by 10 points in the past three weeks. So we're seeing, again, some awesome, awesome play from Justin Herbert. Um, had some super close games against some really good teams and then beat a bad team that he should have beat. So I see nothing to um, suggest that the Broncos steal this. Uh, the Broncos... Although they're at home, and that's a pretty good advantage for them, um, they have a win. They're two and two in the past four weeks. They've got obviously the win over the struggling, struggling Patriots, and then a close win against the Jets. Other than that, they got shellacked by Tampa, and they got shellacked by Kansas City. So, knowing that these are the teams that. LA has really been able to elevate and play with. Um, I think we see a huge, huge week out of LA. Uh, you know, Denver dealing with some of those injuries that they've had this year. Um, you know, feeling the fallout still of the Von Miller injury. Uh, you know, just getting Philip Lindsay back is one of your key playmakers on offense. So they're getting into the groove. Um, they look pretty decent on the ground versus the Chiefs. Um, you know, they it was just so clear that they missed Philip Lindsay, but he's back now. Um, so I am definitely looking for this offense to take an uptick in the next few weeks. 
I don't think it's going to be immediate, and I definitely don't think they beat the Chargers, though. Yes, um, and then the last thing I'll just add, going back to Herbert, is, you know, it's it, I, I think it's I think it's even more of an important sign, you know, to see him, you know, put up thirty nine and beat the Jaguars by ten, because a lot of times, you know, these rookie quarterbacks they come in, and they have a game where they play a solid team really well, and you know, and then the next week they play a mediocre team, and then they lose, or you know, it's it, it, you know, it's a uh, it's a sloppy game and everyone's like, okay, you know, last week was just, you know, beginner's luck or whatever. But I think it's really important to see that, you know, not only is he giving these teams who, you know, give him an extra year, he's going to win, you know, you know, you know, see him have these games, you know, that he will eventually be winning um, against these talented teams. It's even more important to see him go into the games that he should win and win and win by decisive margins. Well, right. You know, you're playing a bottom 10 defense, and you you still got to go in and get it done. Um, ultimately, these are NFL teams you're playing, obviously, and they're super talented, even if it's the Jets. Um, and they will capitalize if you make mistakes. And rookies make mistakes. Justin Herbert hasn't been making a lot, and his, remar- his, his consistency has been super remarkable. For, for a quarterback that's that young. And, and I think... The, the future just looks so bright. Yeah, and I think that that is the next test, really, for him, is, all right, when he has that game where it's not flowing and he throws a couple picks and, you know, he's down in the second half, you know, how does he respond to that? I think that's really the next test for him because um, he's really been checking off most of the other boxes. So, um who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe that is this week, like you said, a tough road game against Denver. Um, but that, to me, is going to be that next test for him to see how he responds when his back is like really, really pressed against that wall. Um, last two games of the week, uh, the Sunday night game is the Eagles and that team that won't be mentioned. Um, no, I'm taking no, no, no one's no one's picking that. <laughs> I'm taking the Eagles because I have to, and because I would be anyway. You're taking the Eagles. Because who, who gives it? Who gives a well. shit? I don't even care. I don't, I don't even care about your reasoning because you're probably right. I don't even care anymore. Uh, every, I don't even think you need reasoning to pick. A there, there is no reasoning. Exactly. I mean, the way it's shaping up. Th- this is a game that the NFL. So th- this is one of those games when the NFL schedule that they're like, ooh, okay, cool. You know, we get a little week eight. We get a little DAC against Carson. A little divisional rivalry. And now you're getting the two five and one. Philadelphia Eagles against Ben DiNucci and the Dallas Cowboys. I can't believe they didn't bring in a veteran. No, they brought in Cooper Rush. He'll save us. They brought in Cooper Rush. A guy that played like I got less than fifteen snaps when he was with the Cowboys. I mean, I if if I'm the Cowboys, I'd say fuck it. It's time to try to. We're, we're gonna bring in. I was going to say Kaepernick. Anyone. Anyone who, who we think can... Hell, I'd give... Hell, give, give fucking Kellen Moore a uniform and just have him drop the headset and put a yeah. helmet back on. I don't care. He'd be better than Ben DiNucci. I mean, as a CD Lamb owner, I have strong... Tell feelings. me about it. I have strong feel, you know, negative feelings towards Ben DiNucci. <laughs> After Andy Dalton left that game, I don't think... They, they threw it C.D. Lamb's way at all. If they and, you know, did. I feel bad for... 
I feel bad for Danucci because he was a guy, his seventh round pick out of James Madison, you know, quarterback haven uh, for college programs, right? And, um, you know, he was a guy that, you know, has some promise. And everyone's like, okay, you know, give him X amount of years, let him develop, and who, and who and knows? Pick, you're expecting him to be a backup, ultimately. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we strike gold again. I mean, we got Dak in the fourth. Who knows? You know, you know, maybe we can get some some magic in the seventh. And now he's literally thrust in to week six of this of his first season, down by twenty. And I and what was funny was the first pass he threw was an absolute dime to Amari to, Cooper. To, to Cooper, right? Yeah, yeah, for a first down. I was like on the run, in stride, right at the marker. I was like, okay. And then everything just went downhill from there. But um, it's kind of ironic. If uh, it, 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 I shouldn't say ironic, it was, it was kind of funny. It's a good metaphor for the Cowboys' season, right? Like, right. You know, one step forward, eight and a half steps back. Yep. Um, so anyway, Ben DiNucci, don't go, don't go hunting him down on the waiver wire. Leave him right where he is. Um, he's, yeah. He's yeah. Trash. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, Eagles win that game by, by, by about $10 million. Um, And then the Monday night game is the Buccaneers and the Giants. Um, we've talked at length about those Giants. One team's playing some of the best football. Probably, the, I, I tweeted this week that I think we're going to see, see a Bucks steelers Super Bowl. Um, now that would be something. So, well, so, yeah. if history serves, then the Steelers will be in the Super Bowl because as we said last week, Whenever, whenever a team, whenever two teams, two undefeated teams have met that late in the season, the winner goes to the Super Bowl. So the Steelers okay. should go to the Super Bowl. Um, history, history tells us, yeah. Right, history tells us that the Steelers will win the AFC, and but, yeah, I really can't deny that the Bucks won't won't. I I I can't say the Bucks are not going to win the NFC. Let's put it like that. I, I mean, they're they're playing. I'd say they're the hottest team in the league right now and 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 they just signed our favorite conversation topic antonio we forgot about that holy shit why do we forget about that no we we didn't mention it yeah the the buccaneers signed antonio brown yeah he's back everybody i'm shocked that we didn't. I, if I, you've I, been listening I, to us since we first started we love antonio love brown antonio we love everything brown. about him the most entertaining athlete. I think the la- the last he time we were talking about him, wasn't he like under arrest for like something about his housekeeper or? Uh, I think I think there was a he might he might have assaulted a mover or something. Yes, or there, I, yeah, it was yeah it was assault of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's back. Um, <laughs> Can't keep track of him. Yeah, he's back. He's back in an NFL uniform. The real question is what hairstyle do you think he's going to be rocking because i think I he'll no be going idea. with the mohawk with the dreads hanging out the back maybe it'll be blue but we'll see and the other signing we forgot to mention real quick um is des bryant to the raven back I, to the ravens I mean, practice I'm squad anything for that. It, it i am rooting for des bryant I, i'm rooting for des bryant i hope he succeeds i think that as much as I, I have mixed feelings about Des, I love him as a player, hate him as a longtime Giant fan. Of course, him. yeah. But um, he he is a guy that 
he he was dominant, a perennial pro bowler, all pro type guy, and then just got to a certain point in his career, and the the cards just never seemed to kind of go his way at a certain point. He had his his fallout with the Cowboys. He signed with I think New Orleans right after that, and then got he, he injured him. I think he tore his ACL and like yep. his first day yeah. of practice for the yes. Saints. It was not, yeah. You didn't hate to see something like that, so, you know, you, know, you, you hope to see the guy succeed. Um, yeah, I absolutely I, I don't do. Think, I don't think this signing is going to have a huge impact on the season. I'd be really surprised to see Des Bryant play at a high level again, but you can't um, blame a team for bringing in a guy who you never know, might still have some potential, hopefully matured by now and can be a a veteran presence really in the locker room obviously has experience in different situations around the league hopefully that you know experience is really helped to level him out and he can be a, a positive contributor within the locker room on that Ravens team or even if he stays on the practice squad and can just be a guy that's giving you know the, the younger players pointers and and keeping the team um, kind of pointed in the right direction. Um, I think that's going to be the most important role for Des Bryant going forward. Yeah, I agree, and um, I, you know, I think it's a good pickup. Um, I'm not sure if you follow Des on like Instagram or Twitter, but he always posts videos of himself doing workouts, and you know, he's still got it. You know, he can still no, run no, routes. I, I have no doubt and, that he's um, staying in shape. I don't follow him. I don't see the videos, but um, obviously. They've done their due diligence. For yeah, the yeah. He's. I mean, they, they they all take physicals before. They of course. Sign. I have no doubt he'll be in shape and, and ready to go. You know, it, it, the the dead situation in Dallas was the sort of thing where, you know, they had their their differences, and he was very vocal about them and just not getting the ball enough. Um, and Dallas just kind of said, "All right, fuck it, you're out of here," and I don't think that was the right way to play it. I think it definitely could have been worked out and. Who knows if you know if you keep Dak in the situation he's in and everything else goes the exact same way, that's just another weapon we have right now. But obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. But you, um, it's it's not that simple. I don't think. I mean, you you look at a situation where Dez stays in Dallas. No, you're you're right, and but but basically my point is the way the situation was handled in Dallas of just to kind of kick him to the curb, I think could have been handled a little better um anyway you know just to wrap that up i i mean for the ravens it's it, it it's a move that's just like all right screw it what what happened like the worst that happens is he doesn't pan out and we release him but you know the upside is still there um and i'm gonna be rooting for him so yes so, um, some solid i think it's a theme of this week is a lot of these contenders you got uh tampa bay you got seattle you got the Ravens making super low risk moves that could Kansas really City getting Levy on. Yeah, that, the Chiefs with Levy on. There's another great example. Just making super low risk moves that could really benefit them down the line. And um, it's never obviously a bad idea to add vet presences, guys who have been stars in this league, um, even as like a role type of contributor. Um, just because of that experience, I think that's a super underrated aspect of football is the on-field and player-to-player leadership 
it can at times be just as important as good coaching. Um, that is the type of thing that people don't pay attention to necessarily, but it really can make or break a team. Um, so hopefully looking at all those signings, they benefit um, the, the teams. We have some good fits. Hopefully Carlos Dunlap finds a new house. Um, yes. He yep. seems to be a real estate man. Um, Hopefully Antonio Brown gives us some, some entertaining headlines. Oh, I really hope so. During the latter half of the season. I really do. Um, so, yeah, that's going to wrap things up here. Um, yeah. I forgot my outro. But, um, yeah, so there you have it. There's our uh, there's our Week 8 picks. Um, and um, don't forget, as I said earlier... Later this week will be episode one of Home Field Advantage. Um, we're going to be talking about the World Series, Game 6, and the decisions that were made both during Game 6 and then after Game 6. Um, some, but, some certain stuff, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll cover all that in, in, in glorious detail. Um, so with that being said, that wraps up episode number 25. We'll be back, of course, next Wednesday uh, to run you through Week 8 and then pick Week 9. You know how it works. So on behalf of my good friend and my co-host, Mr. Ethan Looper, my name is Michael Murray, and this has been the Sports Forum.